well, 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 well. Welcome, my good friends and neighbors, to this fine radio program called Smokin' and Toastin'. It's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. Welcome to show number 65. A lot to do today, a lot to go over, but uh, first and foremost, a warm welcome to my good friend and co-host, Mr. Ian Barry. How are you, sir? I have one word. Yeah? Astros. Uh, well, yeah, we'll obviously have to talk about that. Cause <laughs> I'm a little excited about it, that. It's us. I, was, like, I came into the building. Uh, usually it's bacon, but today it's actually yeah. Astros. <laughs> I came into the bacon. Uh, the bacon. I came into the building uh, earlier and I was looking around and everybody was all buzzing around. And I said, was there some kind of sporting event last night? Did I, something I, happen? Did something go on? Yeah. So, yes, of course, we do the show uh, out of our home base in Houston. And so we're all quite excited that our baseball team is world champions. So. It's a pretty cool thing. So we're brought to you, by the way, by B&B Butchers and Restaurant. Uh, they're at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston and opening soon at the shops at Clear Fork in Fort Worth. And that opening date is November 20th. And I don't know if you have been to uh, B&B and tried the Astros. I mean, the bacon, but it is it is fantastic. <laughs> Just fantastic. I got you with it so. that time. That's hey, awesome. Uh, I was waiting for a pop-up on Facebook Live. Did it not? I'm not seeing a pop-up. Yeah, here. I'm not seeing a pop-up, so I don't know what happened with that. We'll have to, we'll have to check that out. In the meantime, uh, welcome to the program. We are so glad to be here, and uh, we want to send out some big thanks. The show ended so fast last week. I don't know if I <clears throat> had a chance to properly thank Matt from Boss Cat in Houston. We were at Boss Cat Kitchen last week in their whiskey room. The, the food which there was, was so awesome, good too, yeah. and the food was great. Yes, uh, and then we uh, also want to thank our good friend Frank from Beam Centauri, who was there with lots of wonderful things to taste. Fantastic guests, and last but not least. Uh, friends of the show and and whiskey aficionados, par, bar none. Yep. Uh, our, our good friends Chris Hart and Yuante Curry were uh, at the show with us last week, and it was interesting. I went, I was looking at the Facebook Live uh, feed uh, at a certain point, and somebody said, "Hey, you should thank those guys. You should thank those guys for totally changing the whiskey scene in Houston." I'm like, "Well, I'm pretty sure we did that when we had them on, you know, the very first time." Oh but, yeah. But just in case we didn't, Chris and Yuante are. The men, the you know, it's it's so fun doing a show with those guys <clears throat> and, and just Frank, yeah, uh, because it's like it's like it's a lot less work for us actually. It really <laughs> Frankly, it's like here's a whiskey, just Go. turn them loose. Yeah, <laughs> what oh, did you bring? It's awesome. Go. And you know, this the show is really never about what I think or even you think anyway. To to the largest degree, it's about trying to bring in some people that <laughs> actually get to have an opinion. Show notes, they just get yeah, out the window. That's that's absolutely right. <laughs> But it was a it was a really really fun show and the boss cat guys you got to go experience that yeah. whiskey room it's awesome. well that room like just just sitting in there with all that whiskey makes me happy yes absolutely like, it's hard like I can't imagine that being a depressing place ever yeah no it, it's all you have to do is just look around the walls it's like and go when you open the door you hear a rainbow happen or something <laughs> I don't know what's going on there it's wonderful. it makes that little sound from the you know that the more you know stuff on oh on, yeah you know, yeah ding 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 ding. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it works. I don't know if we owe somebody copyright money for just singing the more you know jingle, but uh, <laughs> uh, but anyway. Uh, so you mentioned um, Ian the Astros, um, you know, in the in the big World Series win last night. So I get a call this morning from friend of the show and just awesome, hilarious person all around, Maria Todd, wanting to know if I had heard about the Astros victory cigar. That was going to be made available, and I said no, I didn't. So we, I poured over the internet trying to find it, couldn't find anything. Went back to her. She apparently saw a blurb about it in a, you know, one of those stories 
because now the the TV news stations are going to like it's going to be down to minutia like what oh, yeah. you know what brand of socks the you know reserve catcher <laughs> wears on a tuesday type of thing and that's the kind of stuff they're going to be mining trying to uh, keep but in, apparently in one of these uh, reports about what was going on in the post victory celebrations uh, it was mentioned that a cigar company was making a Houston Astros World Series championship cigar so we don't know the details but i can promise you we'll post them once we get to the bottom of it, oh, so, so I'm all over that. I haven't heard that. That sounds amazing. And we got to have one. Oh yeah, you know, it's, just, it's just one of those things you have to have. I talked to people who stood in line for two hours last night after the game at like a sportswear shop to get a commemorative <laughs> to get the uh, shirt, T-shirt. Yeah, did, so. was am I right? Uh, did I hear that the uh, that Academy, which is one of the big sports mm-hmm. stores here in uh, Texas, it's like a Dick's Sporting Goods or whatever you get in uh, mm-hmm. other parts of the uh, place. But I think they opened after the show. So they you did could buy. Yeah, that's yep. they opened after the game and and apparently. <laughs> From what I understand today, they are sold out. So I'm, I'm sure they're, I'm so sure they're printing, a little bit, printing right? more as fast as they can. But yes, absolutely. So so what else is going on in the world? Um, oh, the take take craft back. Our update for you. We're doing this every week now. Three million two hundred forty three thousand and ninety dollars raised so far. They only need two hundred thirteen. Billion was it or million? <laughs> now I forgot it's what the goal is. It's a lot. Yeah, we're only part way there. <laughs> we should probably put that in our yeah. show notes. Yeah. It's a lot. Yeah, no, it's two hundred thirteen million. I think so. Wow, uh, crazy stuff. That what, would be an amazing moment if that ever happened. Boy, it re- it really would. So we'll talk about the whole. Um, uh, we'll talk a little bit on today's show about the whole craft beer um, and you know versus big beer debate and all of the all the crazy stuff that's being said. There's, I mean, there's new articles you can find them on on the web just every day about this whole you know craft beer independence. The big beers, does it matter? What does it do? Does it hurt the beer? All of that. And there's so many different and interesting viewpoints. And, you know, we we are almost company agnostic here. I mean, we do love and support craft beers, and my favorite breweries are the ones who are independent. But yeah. it doesn't ch- – if a brewery that I like gets bought by one of the big guys – and the beer doesn't change. It doesn't mean I don't like that beer anymore. I, 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 I like beer. That's just yeah, yeah. Beer good. Was well, that was that how you put it? We, we've no, beer and let beer. Beer and let beer. Also That's, beer good. Mm, I yes, mean, yes. I, I'm pretty good at these uh, mono or bisyllabic sentences. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I've noticed that. Yes. That's something you have going for you. <laughs> That's something you beer have going good. for you for sure. Um, also on the the show today, uh, what to do. If the cork falls in your whiskey. That does. I've had that happen. Yes, yes. And so there's several steps that you should take, and we will go through those with you. On or the show you today. get those the tops where the cork is attached to the plastic uh-huh, top, uh-huh. And, and it boom. breaks. Breaks, and then a piece of cork falls in. Same story. Yep, same story. So we have, we have a whole bunch of good things to talk about today. Oh, and by the way, just in case you were wondering, because one of my pet peeves is uh, when you go to – a sporting event, the the catering companies, how they jack up the prices mm-hmm. for for stuff. So, in case you were wondering about beer at the World Series, I will admit I don't remember exactly what the beer prices were at Minute Maid this baseball season. I was at a couple of games. I just I just remember they were really high. Mm-hmm. Uh, but at Dodger Stadium during the World Series, it was really ridiculous. A domestic beer at Game Six was going for sixteen dollars. Sixteen dollars. Obvious. That's for a Budweiser or a a, a Miller, whatever. You know, that is just ridiculously obvious price. A premium beer, oddly enough, was fifteen fifty. It was fifty cents less if you wanted like a Corona 
or you know what's considered a quote unquote premium beer, and then a craft beer seventeen fifty. Now, if you were really fancy and you wanted to turn any of those beers into a michelada and add lime and clam and tomato juice and spices and hot sauce, yeah, that's add, what beer needs. Yeah, you had to add six dollars. I'm not a fan of the michelada, but a craft beer michelada would be twenty three fifty for one drink. Can I have a founder's series. michelada, please? <laughs> <laughs> a wicked weed michelada. Oh my God, that's uh, that's just that's wrong on so yeah, many levels. Yeah. Uh, so so it has certainly been quite a week. Ian, did you uh, smoke anything interesting this week? I did. I did research yesterday on an oh, Ilusion Ultra. Oh, I love their cigars. Option four. Option four. Option four. I I love Ilusions. I've never had a bad one. Mm-hmm. Um, and they like just the build quality. The uh, construction is always impeccable. And this was a gorgeous little. Uh, Dark brown, oily box press. It was uh, four and three quarters by 48 was the size. Um, Pre-light sniff was leather, sweet coffee, spice, mocha. I clipped it. Uh, I didn't have my punch with me. I usually default punch, but I clipped it. Uh, It clipped perfectly. The the pre-light draw was effortless. Uh, Mocha, almond, leather, some dark fruit kind of notes in it. Um, I lit it up. It had this really tangy spice to it and a nutty wow. flavor, like right off the bat with some uh, with some leather and white pepper. The first third of this cigar um, was a full flavor, like right off the bat. Nice big full flavor, mocha, chocolate, spice, lots of spice. It was a very sp- it was spicier than I usually I was going to say, you don't enjoy. always go for the spice. Yeah, but this was complex, and it was interesting. It was fun, so I, I stuck with it. Um a big silky smoke, like like kind of when you puff, you just get this big giant man, mm-hmm. mouthful of smoke. Love uh, that. Uh, per, the burn was perfect. The ash lasted until the cigar was halfway down. Wow! Um, and then it finally dropped off. But it actually was on there. I have a picture of Did it. You managed to of- keep it off of you. Yes. Yeah. Good. <laughs> actually, Good yes. I was I was actually smoking kind of like leaning forward because I knew it was going to happen at some point. But I was curious <laughs> to see how long it was going to go. Big solid ash on it. Um, the whole second third, it got some bitter chocolate notes, some mocha, more nutty, and fruit flavors were starting to show up, mm. uh, like like dark fruit flavors, like like plum, plum or, and cherry, that type of thing. Yeah, yeah. The, yeah. like like uh, plum and uh, what's the other one I was thinking of, uh, like like passion fruit kind of stuff. Like mm-hmm. anyway, um, and some pepper. It was still peppery and spicy at that point in time. Uh, the last third of this, the ash dropped about halfway, I wrote down here, because uh, that was the next uh, entry I put on here. The burn was perfect. Like, it was a perfect around the entire way. Um, tangy spice uh, came up. It built up a little bit. Had more pepper, coffee, almond. I put, I even put plum down. Very full flavor. I smoked it till it was just about gone. Uh, it's about a $10 cigar for the size that I got. Mm-hmm. Price, uh, price versus quality index. Yes. Five and a half, I Five think. Five and a half, there you, you get go. exactly what you're paying for. You get a great complex. <laughs> well, it's the, you know, you're expecting something really good. Yeah. And at that price, you should yeah. be able to expect yeah. something really good. I, I agree totally. Well, I, I had a very interesting cigar this week. I had the Alec Bradley American Classic Blend Churchill. So I'll tell you about that coming up in the next segment. Plus, uh, we're going to be reviewing some very interesting things, doing some very interesting tasting today. Independence Brewing Company out of Austin has their Oklahoma Sucks beer. <laughs> yes. Um, I'm a UT guy, so uh, I can I can get along with that. Uh, plus the uh, Rogue Chocolate Stout from Newport, Rhode Island, and No Labels Off Label Nightmare on First Street Imperial Pumpkin Ale. That's all coming up. Plus Kirk and Sweeney's 23-year-old Dominican rum. We'll taste it all coming up on Smoking a Toasting.
Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting. This program is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. It is um, a program that's brought to you by the fine, fine people who prepare such tasty dishes and have such an awesome bar at B&B Butchers and Restaurant on Washington Ave in uh, Houston. And uh, soon to come to the Clear Fork, the shops at Clear Fork Shopping Center in Fort Worth. And I we, can't wait we, till we that must, We must go on the road. Yes, yes, that's going to be awesome. Speaking of things coming up on the show... Uh, we mentioned that we have committed to, and hopefully this will be sometime before the end of the year, doing round two of the light beer blind taste test. Because what happened after we did the first round, it was a lot of fun. Um, although the beer wasn't as good as we usually enjoy on the show, it was a fun show to do. And uh, as soon as we started to do that, uh, as soon as we were done doing that, people kept chiming in on social media and email yeah. and stuff saying, hey, why didn't you do this one, this one? So we've been collecting light beers, uh, and, and we want to do a, a second round, all with beers that we did not try in round one. That's right. And if you have any in particular, hit us up on Yeah, let us know. Let it, us know. Particularly if there's one that you think is good. Because what, what I found really interesting is some of the ones that I would have thought would be really good didn't do that well. Some of them didn't even rate hardly. Yeah, and, and some of them... That I expected to not be that good really did pretty well. I'm looking mm. at you, Michelob Ultra. You know, go, oddly enough, go back and listen to that show if you think I'm nuts. But I mean, <laughs> but it was a blind taste test, so we were we were not influenced by the label, as it were. No, and by um, the end of it, it was a drunk taste test. Yes. So I also was thinking, uh, Ian, we should do uh, a show about, and maybe you and I put a list together of our favorites, and maybe sample some of them. The gate, the gateway beers, the beers that like when you were first, oh yeah, moving from you know your your sort of mainstream beers to craft. Like, what were the beers that you transitioned, and and what ones would you still drink today, even though you may have found something you know that's more pure craft that you that you enjoy. So I thought that would be a fun and interesting show. And plus, I just like going back and drinking some of those beers again. You know, and I I revisit one of those yep. on a semi regular basis because. For some reason, bowling alleys always have Ziegenbach. Yes, cheap in a pitcher. I don't know why that is, but yes, you're, you're seven dollars for a pitcher. Let's go bowling. I mean, yeah, I drink Ziegenbach <laughs> for seven bucks for a pitcher. Sure. Also, there's a bar here in town that has a steak night on Monday nights. Uh, 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 St. Dane's. Yeah. And they have seven dollar pitchers of Ziegenbach. You gotta love so it. actually, I you have Ziegenbach once in a while. I, I like a good Ziegenbach, as long as it's cold. I like it yep. cold. Yep, like it cold. Well, I mentioned the uh, cigar that I uh, was going to uh, talk about, the Alec Bradley American Classic Blend Churchill. And I am I have been for a while a big fan of Alec Bradley cigars. Really love the Tempest. That's, yeah, the Tempest that's one, of, really nice. one of my favorites. Um, this cigar uh, was made in uh, Nicaragua using a Connecticut seed Honduran wrapper and Nicaraguan binder and fillers. Uh, it starts out with... Kind of basic tobacco aromas on the pre-light. It, it's not, it doesn't give up too much on the pre-light, but uh, uh, you know, once you light it up, it becomes much more flavorable. Um, did run into some burn problems with this one a couple mm. inches in, and I actually took a picture of it, which I'll post on on Facebook. Um, it was just burning faster on one side. You know how it'll do that? Like one side burns slow, maybe mm -hmm. like a third of the cigar. It's not really a a, a, a canoe. Uh, it's just like maybe two thirds of the cigar seem to burn at a normal pace, right. and then you got that flap of one <laughs> of one side. So, uh, so I was a little bummed about that, but it was easy enough to correct. I yeah, was that's able an to easy one and, to tend. Uh, yeah, and, and keep going. 
uh, notes of coffee, wood, some nuttiness, and kind of a creamy, mellower uh, finish. The cigar was a little mellower than I was expecting, although I will say it had a very you know, sort of paler Connecticut wrapper. So that that didn't necessarily surprise me, but I'd call it mild to medium bodied. Uh, I kept waiting for the flavor complexity to blossom in it. It was a touch more complex in the final third, but not quite as complex as, complex as I would have liked in order to be able to rave about it. The cigar didn't blow me away, but it was decent. Now here's the good news. It's a $5 cigar. Oh, nice. And this was a nice big cigar, too. It wasn't some, you know, really small one, but the sort of more normal size is, is 10 It's a $5 cigar. So I'm going to assume maybe the burn issues were just with the stick or maybe the breeze because I was outside and they were correctable. So at $5, I'm going to give it a five and a half. Nice. Because it was, it was a very decent stick for $5 if... It were a seven dollar cigar. I might give it a four and a half. Does that make sense? Right. Uh, because, but, but at that price, it'd be kind of hard pressed to find a five dollar yeah. cigar I and would that, enjoy that more. Price you know? to quality index is zero to uh, zero to ten. Right. And five is right in the middle. That means you get exactly what you pay for. If That's it's above exactly. five. You're getting a better cigar than you paid for. If it's below five, you're not quite getting what you're paying so for. So what's interesting is we both gave our cigars the same rating this week. Yeah. But yours was a much better cigar than mine was. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. But it was also twice the price. But I got what I paid for. Yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. Now, so. Alec Bradley had that Max line. Uh, I think they still have I it. like the Max. And they're cigar. good yeah, cigars, they and really I don't good. think they're very pricey either. No. In fact, to be honest with you, most Alec Bradleys are a little yeah. less than what you might expect. They don't seem to go the, we'll crank this up to $23 so you know you're having a real premium here, you know, uh, sort of uh, tactics. They, they're they really good about being reasonably priced overall, and they do, ma- I mean, they've had several cigars land in that cigar aficionado top 25 of the year yeah, yeah. Uh, at the end of the year for the past several years. So, Well, I got turned on to the Max series uh, because they, they have... A size nice that's like big. a seventy yes. ring gauge mm-hmm. or something like that. What I like to refer to as a cigar of intimidation. <laughs> that totally <laughs> works. That totally works. Bust that baby out, and women right. and children go running for the exits. Like, it's, what it's, is going on here? <laughs> uh, speaking, by the way, of um, of pricey things, because we were talking about pricier cigars. Uh, Samuel Adams is releasing a new beer. Uh, this I read about, and it's first of all. It's going to be a two hundred dollar beer. It's one hundred and ninety nine dollars. It's it's the uh, Utopias line, and it has just come out. Actually, it was a late October release. They release a batch every two years, and um, this beer, as I just thought of you immediately, Ian, it's twenty eight percent ABV. <laughs> 28%. <laughs> that would definitely be last in our tasting order. Like we would we would definitely taste the other stuff. So you talk about a palate wrecker. Wow. Uh it's a perfect holiday gift for the beer snob in your life, but um it does carry a $199 price tag. By the way, it is illegal in 12 states. <laughs> that's that, hilarious. That's true too. because of the ABV content. Right? Yeah. Utopias. Yeah. Uh by the way, we just got a shout out from uh Glenn Fittick Dave. Oh, what's I just up? want to say, hey, we're coming to see you yes, next yes. week. That should be fun. That that's that's going to be a blast. He's got an event going on at Reserve at 101 Reserve downtown Houston, right? And if yep. you haven't seen their their wall of liquor, their wall of spirits is unbelievable. Uh, I just want to you will have a spiritual moment. I just want to mention to Glenfiddich Dave, we're really hoping to have you on the show again soon, and we want you to bring that Glenfiddich that was aged in the IPA cask. 
Yeah. That yeah. that I got to try that at the uh, Houston Whiskey Social event. Wow. It was so good, right? I was blown away by that. You yeah, just give it, it away. Perfect. I was going to pin them down at the event and see okay, if I well, could get them. You to should still that. do that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so uh so Dave, nice to have you uh nice to have you watching on Facebook. That's absolutely awesome. Uh so Ian, uh, I think it's time to do a little beer tasting and I will confess the beers are still done here. So you entertain the Facebook Live folks for a moment maybe. <laughs> I'll do what I can. Some hand puppetry, something I'll like that. This is my Hawaiian dance. All right. So, <laughs> um, so uh, this from Independence Brewery. Yeah, awesome Me and my wife actually uh, went there uh, just on a whim one day. Uh, we were visiting some friends in Austin, and she goes, oh, let's, "Let's go hit up a brewery." And you know, she just does this. She gets she gets a, a thing in her head. You know why? Because your wife is awesome. She is pretty awesome. <laughs> <laughs> she gets a thing in her head, and she's like. Uh, do you have a particular one? I was like, one that's open sounds good. And she found this. <laughs> she found the discriminating this, consumer. Yeah, it, it, it turned into this 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 fun event because um, she found this brewery, Independence, which is just uh, south of Austin on seventy one, and it's in kind of like a warehouse, like a lot of breweries nowadays are, like a little warehouse mm-hmm. park kind of area. But they had the whole back area open up. They had bands playing. They had. All this stuff going on. And then, on top of that, she ran into, on Facebook, ran into uh, a cousin of hers that she hadn't seen in years. I think they were little girls when they saw each other last, and who happened to live in the area. And her and her, I can't remember if it was husband or boyfriend, um, came out and hung out with us all day. We had a great time. That's awesome. Yeah, fantastic. Well, it, it is a great brewery. I've had a number of their beers, which I really yeah. like. Uh, isn't Now, I'm, I might get this wrong, but isn't the Stash IPA, isn't that uh, Independence? I believe so. I believe it is. That's a good And they beer. have the Convict Hill uh, yes, Stout. Yes, which is also good. I've tried that. Right, right. So this beer, and for those of you, I, I want to apologize, actually, to those of you who are not from Texas, who are uh, watching or listening to the show. You might not understand this, but this beer is clad in... Um, in Longhorn Orange, which yes. is the University of Texas, and then the red, the sort of maroonish red, that's the Oklahoma, uh, University of Oklahoma colors, and the beer is called Oklahoma Sucks because that is, if you are a Texas Longhorns fan, <laughs> that's your big rivalry. A lot of people think it's Texas A&M. Texas A&M thinks it's Texas A&M. They're not correct. The, the big rivalry is actually Oklahoma. So this is basically a city kind of flipping off another city. With this beer, That's, so I thought we must try it. I wonder if people from Oklahoma uh, drink Oklahoma sucks. No, actually, they don't because I don't think this so. has too much alcohol in it. That's right; it Oklahoma. wouldn't be allowed in Oklahoma. So I wonder though if they have a Texas sucks uh, beer. And that if, would be if funny. they do. That would be hilarious. In all fairness, we will try that on the some show kind too. Of, some kind of uh, if we can get a hold of it. So, so I, I looked for information on this, and I really couldn't find a lot. So I'm not really even sure what kind of beer this is. It doesn't really say on the can whether it's a lager or an ale. Well, you'll find out in just a second. It's got huh? a little hoppiness too. Are you guys uh, partaking today, uh, Adam? We've got uh, both uh, both Bobby and Adam on the wheels of steel today, so uh, back there appreciate that. Being so, twice as awesome. So I don't know what to expect from this, Ian, uh, in terms of what See, style of I beer. think I saw the uh, – we laughed about it because when we were at the brewery, we saw the, uh, the packaging for Oklahoma Sucks mm-hmm. and thought it was hilarious, but I don't think they had the beer at that time. Well, I just took a sip, and we're almost out of time for this segment. This is actually quite good. It's very refreshing. It's got a little flavor to it. Very good. Mm. Mm. So we'll try to describe that better when we come back. Uh, Plus, I think it's going to be rum time when we come back. Some Kirk and Sweeney 23-year-old, which I have never tried, so I'm really psyched about it.
Welcome back, my friends. It's smoking and Toastin'. This is the program that is all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We're brought to you by B&B Butchers uh, in uh, Houston. They are on Washington Ave, and they have, by the way, um, the bar at B&B Butchers is so, you talk about a a bar being curated, yeah. not just like, and these are the kind of places that I love to go, where it isn't just, you know, some places you go in, you, you look up and you go, yeah, they got, Everything. The usual stuff. You know what I mean? Like right. the usual stuff. Or some places have everything and, and you're almost paralyzed by choice. What is wonderful about B&B is they have a very big selection, but if you have any trouble figuring out what you want, their bartenders are so knowledgeable, you can tell them what you like and they can give you something new to try based on what you're telling them that you like. And I love that. That's my favorite way to explore well, what could be my next what's, favorite what's whiskey or What's or interesting, beer or too, is that they have... It's not a huge selection. It's it's a good selection. Yeah. But it's limited in the number of bottles that they carry. And what's good about that, it's like walking into a bar that has their own like old school jukebox. There's a character to what they have. Right, to like, what's in there. Yeah, yes. and sometimes just looking up and seeing what they have and going, okay, well, I haven't had that in a while, or maybe I'll try this. And like you said, like if you have any trouble wondering about stuff you don't know, well, mm-hmm. someone went through the trouble of curating that and making sure that it was on that list that stays yes. at that bar. And there's a reason it's there. So it's probably going to be really good. Absolutely. By the way, speaking of people who curate things, the world's largest cigar retailer is heading to Texas. Cigars International really? is opening in Texas. Craig Reynolds, who's president of CI, uh, declined to comment but said an announcement was imminent and multiple sources have confirmed that the company is planning a location in the far north Dallas suburb of the colony. So very interesting. I guess that's a closer drive than Pennsylvania. It definitely is. Now, before we open the rum, we should mention. Oh yeah, yeah, we should mention uh, uh, how good this this beer is. We talked about it between segments, but not on the same. (laughs) Yes, Uh, because this this was I thought surprisingly good for something that you know might have been a little gimmicky. But then again, it's independent, so I shouldn't have expected it. Well, so I looked at so I I looked it up, and it's a it's a four point nine percent, so it's reasonably sessionable. It's a it's an amber um, American amber. It's good beer. I'm enjoying. Uh, I'm enjoying it much. Um, but the reason that they didn't have it, we saw the packaging, but they didn't have it when I was at the brewery, is because it's only available during football season. It's a football oh, seasonal. A football seasonal. There you go. <laughs> See, some <laughs> of these things seasonal. just write themselves. Not a winter Nothing. seasonal. Yeah, a Not football a summer season. It's a football seasonal. seasonal. Uh, I like it. It's I'll it's really that. delicious. It's it's very drinkable. Has a kind of a unique flavor profile. Yeah. Definitely comes off as an amber, but not, um, you know. Doesn't necessarily remind me of every other amber that I've had. It's got its own. No, it's uh, got that nice. Profile. It's got that nice uh, uh, malt profile to it, and then a little bit of a little bit of bitter just to finish it off. Just just enough to make it interesting. Yeah, I'm I'm down with it. I would buy more of this. So okay, now uh, it's time. Now? Yes, yes, it's time. There was Ooh, no sound. Now, see, not much sound. It smells good though. Uh, from the opening of the rum, but then again, here's my question: Ian, did any of that cork fall into the rum? You know what? I managed to keep all of the cork out of the rum. Okay, that's good. By the way, if you have a problem with cork falling in your whiskey, or I'm sure this would go for rum too, we have the steps that you should take if that happens to you. Because, I mean, let's face it, a bottle of whiskey can be expensive. You don't want to, like, if if the cork, you know, comes apart on you or something when you're opening it, you don't want to have to, like, throw away that whole bottle. You want to be able to salvage it. So we'll tell you you exactly how to do that. 
what to do if the cork falls in your whiskey coming up. In the meantime, though, Ian has poured some rum, and I am looking at it like I'm... Uh, oh, I might uh, have poured looking, one extra there. Uh, well, here, we'll just pour that into three yours trying, and mine. Right? So, um, so uh, Ian, this is... I've read uh, a, a few things about this rum, and so my expectations are a bit high based on what I read. But I've never tried this before. It's a Let Kirk me, and Sweeney 23-year, and I don't know which camera, but I'll show that to one camera. Let me tell you everything thing. I know about this rum in a nutshell. If I hold it there, Nothing. I completely block your head That's pretty on awesome. that shot, don't I? Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that, I want to look like the desperate guy getting in the camera. <laughs> Hi, Mom. Hi, Mom. <laughs> so uh, what were you going to say about this rum? If you put it right there, I can. it's like I'm talking into the top of it now. That's right. Yeah, It's like it's your microphone. <laughs> I don't use a mic. I just use whiskey or rum. So what were, what were you going to say about the rum? Oh, I was just going to say I'm, I, all the things that I know about it, I can fit into a nutshell, which is nothing. So we're going to start from scratch on this. I can't believe you haven't done your research yet. Well, I'm, I'm talking. That's, that's the problem. I was just trying to get you to talk so I could do the <laughs> right, research. Yeah, noted. Uh, wow. I am really impressed by my first taste. Well, the Really The impressed. sugar cane smell yes. right off of this is huge. One of the reasons that people who are into rum over other spirits enjoy drinking it is that even though it can have the same sort of kick and warmth as... Uh, a whiskey or uh, tequila, it's it's got the sweetness of the sugar cane. Often makes it just a little more drinkable. I guess it's a it's a good uh, good gateway to brown spirits if you're if you're just getting into them. Yes, and uh, this has that sweetness and, in spades. And I haven't tried mine because I'm just enjoying the smell, like the it's brown so sugar, the sugar cane. All right, well, take, I'm the really molasses. interested to see what you. So take a sip of this. Because I'm really interested to see what you get out of this. Um, the first thing that hits you is the sugar cane. Wow. But then you start to pull molasses and vanilla. Vanilla, lots of and vanilla. And some kind of citrus that I'm not quite identifying. So The heat on this does an interesting thing. It's right up front, then in, then goes away right in the middle, and then comes back. is mm. like this slow warmth building up in the back. That's so really interesting. It's from Santiago and Caballeros in the uh, Dominican Republic. Uh, it is a 23-year aged rum. And here's what it says on the bottle. It says, in the spirit of the rum-running schooner Kirk and Sweeney, this rum is well worth pursuing. Uh, looking at its deep amber and uh, uh, copper color, iridescent copper color, it's clear this 23-year-old rum is uniquely charming. Its nose teases with toasty dried fruits and a hint of honey and toffee, while the taste delights... Toffee. Uh, through an uh, evolving sensation of fruit, vanilla, and sherry. That, my friend, is delicious. Yeah. That's the best rum I've had in it's a while. It's making my mouth water. It's the best like, rum I've had in a time. while. Wow. So I'll show this to the camera again, uh, and we'll have a picture of this up in the show notes. But, uh, boy, this is a fantastic rum. I really enjoy the mouthfeel on this, too. It's it's actually oilier looking uh, mm -hmm. than most rums and feeling as far as the mouthfeel goes but I really enjoy how it, how it coats the tongue and it the way it lingers is such a pleasant thing mm -hmm. mm. yeah I mean that's that's a good rum that's really <laughs> job, outstanding man. wow uh, so I would you know we don't we don't normally do price to quality on these type of things it was a slightly more expensive rum but I'm going to tell you that it's worth every penny that I paid for it. That is really. I don't. Well, what's the, the price point on this? I don't one. remember the exact price now. I want to tell you it's in the sixty dollar range. Okay, so yeah. yeah. So so because you can get a really good bottle of rum for twenty three to twenty eight dollars, yeah. but not quite that good. 
Right. Yeah. So, um, so I might be a little off on the price, but that's what I, I think. Somebody I can prove me wrong on this, but I've found that every bottle of rum that I've had that's over fifty dollars has been delicious rum. Yes, I'm sure that's probably uh, that's probably very likely. I have had some though that wasn't as good as this. I can right, tell you that. Right. So, uh, so that's that's so rum. By the way, especially higher end ultra premium rum is totally on the rise. We've been reading about this mm-hmm. for the last uh, several months. It really is on the rise. In fact, there's a lot of disagreement in the spirits community over whether the next big thing is rum or gin. You're right. Both of them are getting numbers that they haven't seen in ages. And with that in mind, by the way, the guys at Room 101, the cigar company, are launching their own small batch gin. Nice. They uh, have entered the spirits industry. They're known for their cigars, of course, and for some edgy jewelry, I guess. Uh, I haven't seen the Room 101 jewelry. They're based in Los Angeles, and they've now added a gin label to round out their portfolio of luxury items and the release party for it took place at the Fox Cigar Bar in Gilbert, Arizona. And uh, the uh, Matt Booth, Room 101 guy, uh, said, I wanted, to craft, I wanted a craft spirit to accompany my line of products and further establish Room 101 as a lifestyle collection. So they're looking to be more than just a cigar company, but to be a lifestyle Well, even company. from their cigars, though, their sense of style, like their packaging and everything, like their mm-hmm. cigars are good. I haven't yes. had a bad Room 101. No, they're very in fact, good. I think we reviewed a few on mm-hmm. here. Um, but their sense of style, like their packaging, is always edgy and cool, and 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 you know, right there. When asked why he chose gin, Matt Booth said, "A because I enjoy it, but B because I feel like it's going to be the next boutique spirit. Gin caters to cocktail culture and sophisticated drinks. Everybody's doing bourbon right now, but to be frank, and I'm quoting Matt Booth here, bourbon is dead. With gin, the possibilities are infinite because of the botanical mix." By the way, somewhere Chris Hart's head just exploded. <laughs> In fact, I'm sure he's commenting on Facebook right about now. Uh, but but again, this is Matt Booth, and and you know it is true that gin is exploding. I don't think bourbon's dead, but uh, but gin yeah. is definitely on uh, the rise, and they distill it with juniper and other botanicals. And he partnered with a small distillery in Michigan. Uh, to put it all together, so I believe currently it's only available in uh, in Arizona, and they've only produced twelve hundred bottles of it so far. But we're going to well, do our best to get our hands on some. And they're starting see. to do interesting things with gin now. It's not just this gin or that gin. It's not right. just uh, botanical or not um, juniper or not. You know that kind of thing. They're starting to age it, and they're starting to do a bunch of different things with gin that hadn't really been done before. Speaking of gin, didn't you get a chance to see our buddy uh, Mattias Horseman from Hendrick's Gin I when he did. was in town I recently? I saw the most incredibly inefficient cucumber slicer <laughs> known to man. And it was awesome. It was brilliant, yes. <laughs> it was a blast. That guy is a blast. He is. He's like, just he, one of those guys. He fills that role like just his whole demeanor is is all about it. He's so he's, fun. He's kind of like the Glenfiddich Dave of uh, of gin. Yeah, yeah, I'll agree with that. <laughs> We're working you, Dave. By the way, just in case. Uh, no, it, it, but it's really true. He is he's so much fun. And when we had him on with his uh, cucumber uh, slicer and drink maker, the the world's most inefficient gin and tonic making machine, and uh, it I was fun. That. And you I'm missed so that, sad. I know. It was fun. But then uh, I'm glad you got to see though his latest contraption. Yeah, that was so. it was. Absolutely. I mean, you just need to look it up. The the thing was unbelievable. Well, uh, we don't have any gin to sample on the show today, although we will be doing more in the very near future. We do, however, have some pretty amazing beers. And up next, we sample the Rogue Chocolate Stout from Newport, Oregon. I have a feeling 
you're going to like, I like this, Rogue. my friend. Welcome back to Smoking and Toasting, my friends. It is so nice to have you listening to the program, checking us out on Facebook Live. I think we had like our largest audience ever for Facebook Live uh, last week's show at the Boss Cat, which is just absolutely Because we had totally personalities awesome. bigger than life. Yes, we did. Frank and, Krakenberg. And, and you and I were there. So, Chris Nuante. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, that was a fun show. If you yeah. haven't checked it out, you can watch the whole thing on the Facebook feed, or you yep. can, of course, uh, uh, get it from... Uh, we should talk about that, by the way, the, the ways to get the show from, uh, from our feed, which is available... At SoundCloud, mm-hmm. or you can pick it up through uh, Apple Podcast mm-hmm. or Google Play, or you can uh, check us out on YouTube. It usually takes about a day to get the show up on YouTube, or my YouTube the, the is Facebook in, Live is is always available after the fact, and you can watch it. The YouTube is actually in construction right now, mm-hmm. so hopefully by the uh, beginning of next week, I'll have it up and running. And when you search "smoking and toasting" on YouTube, you will have these. You will be able to find this. Nice I, I didn't realize that there was a glitch in it until my brother told me he was having a hard time finding it. So we're working that out right now. Right. And as I am about as tech savvy as, well, insert whatever uh, you want there. You're but beer I'm, savvy though. I'm beer savvy. <laughs> I am. That's important. So, so that's coming though. You're uh, yes. You got that. Yes, we'll have in, that stream up. So let me tell you what happened this week. It was a very interesting week in beer, my friend. Because one of my favorite breweries bought another one of my favorite breweries in Massachusetts, Harpoon Brewery, which, by the way, they were my, like, gateway brewery all the Mm -hmm. way. They were where I really started to learn to enjoy good beer. And they're good people. I love those. I know a lot of the guys up there. I love them. They make great beer. They always have. They still do. They just bought Clown Shoes. Nice. And Clown Shoes is something I got introduced to, I don't know, four or five years ago uh, because I saw this brewery called Clown Shoes, and I just had to try it based on the name. And they are a brewery that does really uh, kind of very left-of-center sort of beers. Yes. In fact, they're known more for uh, – they do have a few things available now in 12-ounce bottles but or, or cans, but they're really known more for – the growler, uh, not the growler. So I'm the, sorry, the the bombers. The bomber, right? Uh, and and just making some really left of center, very odd and interesting beers. Their labels are very comic book cartoonish mm-hmm. and always very interesting. The names are interesting. They were founded in 2009, and they've been brewing beer at the Ipswich Brewing Company since it was founded by uh, Greg Berman. The Clown Shoes team, this is uh, Dan Canary from Harpoon speaking, says they share our passion for brewing excellent beer and their irreverent, boldly flavored takes on classics have earned them a loyal following. We see tremendous potential for growth both regionally and nationally. We're excited to work with Greg and his team to take Clown Shoes even further. Clown Shoes is expected to brew about 17,000 barrels of beer, and they're available in uh, 28 states. Harpoon will take them over and try to make that even uh, even bigger. So what I love about this is that Clown Shoes is one of those places that's awesome because it's a little weird. Oh, yeah. And Harpoon they're, they are such beer fans. Yeah. There's no way they're going to mess that up. And I love that. I think it's, yeah, you know? that, that sounds like it'll be wonderful. To it's get. not like being bought by the mega corporation. It's, it's, it's different. It's being Clown Shoes by, is like the ridiculous, fun 
just like maybe stepbrother of of Dogfish Head. Yes, like Dogfish just Head like the name implies is yes. so extreme in right. everything that they do and wonderful. I love so many mm-hmm. of their beers. Mm-hmm. Clown Shoes is just ridiculous. Like they just try anything. <laughs> they will, and some of the stuff they try I go. <laughs> uh, uh, double chocolate sombrero jalapeno stout. What? Yeah, you know? I mean, some of it. <laughs> yeah. Some of it actually tastes weird too. Yeah, but yeah. It's, but, but it's always an adventure, and that's one of the things that's so fun about Clown Shoes is they come out with so many different things, and it's always an adventure. And I really like their spirit of we'll try anything, yeah. which is you know you're not going to bat a thousand when you do that. Yeah, I mean those guys are like, hey, that's an idea. Put it in a bottle. Let's <laughs> go. Let's try it. <laughs> let's try. It. Let's see if people and like it. There's a fearlessness. To that, like the the fearless nature of that is also is also very attractive. Stone yeah. has always been that way with IPAs, right? But right. Clown Shoes does it with all kinds of right. uh, all kinds of different uh, variations of beer. Another brewery that I've always thought of as being fearless, even though they may not try as many different things, is Rogue. Yeah, Rogue. Their Dead Guy Ale. That's one of those. I mean, we should uh, we should really think about doing a show that's based totally around like craft beer classics. Like because Rogue yeah. Dead Guy Ale would be one of those craft beer classics. Their Mocha Porter is yeah unbelievable. We and we've had Dead Guy Ale on the yeah. show before, and uh, of course both of us had had it previously. I, and I I mentioned kind of renewed it, our our love for it. You right, know? and I mentioned it during the uh, during the break. Uh, is you can actually buy Dead Guy Ale in a half gallon jug. Oh, that's so which awesome, is, and it tastes delicious. It's so good. Yeah, honey, I'm just yeah. gonna have one I'm just beer. Having one beer, babe. <laughs> <laughs> that's a wonderful thing, right? Uh, speaking of Rogue, yeah. Speaking of Rogue, and speaking of uh, big uh, big bombers, the Rogue um, chocolates. Out. Now I uh, landed this uh, a little while back, and I, I, I immediately thought of you because I th- just thought this just seems like a beer that Ian's going to love. Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this. Well, actually, let's, let's see if I'm right here. Let's see. To open that bad boy up and let's do. You're some an sampling. enabler, you know. Yes. <laughs> so I've been told. <laughs> so I've been told. Still to come, by the way, what to do if the uh, if the cork falls in your whiskey. I promise you, we will get to that uh, on this show here. I wonder if Benchmade uh, guarantees made? their knives even after I open tons oh, your of knife beers company. with it. Yeah. Oh. Well, now are you using an opener opener or are you using? No, it I just in the, use uh, the end of my knife. Yeah, well, I don't know. Not the blade part, the handle. It works. Though. It works very well. Mm-hmm. Is it just us drinking right now? I uh, I don't know, Adam. Are you up for some of this? A little bit, he says. Uh, so. He says you're not going to be lonely. Mm-hmm. Yes. Not mm. going to be lonesome tonight with your only beers. Well, for you. I will say one. this doesn't smell as chocolatey as I was expecting, but I haven't tasted it yet. Uh, the the smell is just kind of a basic porter smell. At least that's yeah. What I'm actually, getting. really, I mean, there's a little chocolate, but it's yep, yep. All right, let's let's see well, what we got here. Totally overpowering. It's really nice smelling though. Chocolate's Overall. in the taste though. Oh boy, is it ever! It's in not the... as thick as I would generally. It's not as as uh, viscous as I would generally. So you know when you get a piece of chocolate that somebody has cut off of a big block of chocolate, and it's very kind of like chalky and and has that uh, bitter just chocolate, pure bitter chocolate taste to it. That's what this reminds yeah. me of on the finish. Because even though it's a chocolate stout, it's not super sweet. Hmm. And you, I was actually kind of expecting that. This is that bitter, almost like, almost like taking a spoon and putting it in the Hershey's cocoa uh, uh, canister. Yeah, you know, it's yeah. got that bitter chocolate with vibe just to enough it. sugar to make it palatable. Mm-hmm. 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 Did you just go back to the rum? I did. I wanted to see how it mixed, and I don't think it's a great pairing. They're yeah. good by themselves, but some some stuff mixes better than yeah. Others. The, yeah. Those two, uh, I thought, you know. Uh, as not sweet as the chocolate stout was, I thought that maybe the sweetness from the rum would be a nice, 
uh, a nice uh, flavor with it, but they don't really. They're not really meshing. Speaking of things that might or might not combine, and we'll come back to this beer in a second. Some are thinking that the next IPA, and by that they mean the next sort of like big sensation right. in beer, uh, could be cannabis-infused beer. Huh. Uh, marijuana and beer have always had a connection. Hop plants and cannabis are members of the same genus. They have a closely related molecular structure. Um, but those ties are slowly becoming more Formal, as some of the breweries in the states where marijuana is legal are beginning to experiment with cannabis-infused beers. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Um, there was a— uh, Now, a, are they are they? There brewing? was a, a Lagunitas called Supercritical, which I believe had some cannabis. Now, I will say this. Th- it didn't include any of the stuff that has the THC in it. The okay, so that, that answers the question. Right. Are they brewing it for flavor or are they brewing it for effect? Well, I think I think perhaps both is is what the That's the end goal in into. some of yeah. these, yeah. Yeah, and in some cases it's more about the flavor. But in some cases it could be about, you know, having the extra uh, intoxicant effect of of the weed, but uh, it's it's really interesting. You would almost expect Wicked Weed to be the guys that uh, <laughs> that would plow this ground, but now that they're owned by uh, Anheuser Busch, probably not. They're probably as, not as likely. That one. Yeah. So, uh, but so that'll be an interesting trend to watch. Should that become a thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know. Hey, look. They did it for brownies. Why can't they do it for beer? You know? <laughs> That's right. And gummies. Have and you gummies. Seen that? Oh gummies. my God! Yeah, gummies are like the rage in Los Angeles. You go to the dispensary and. Gummies. See, I'm, I'm not feeling good because I have some gummies, please. <laughs> Ow, my eye. I need some gummies. <laughs> uh, let's get back to this uh, chocolate stout. Give me give me your read on this. This is Rogue. I was expecting a little more, like, hit you over the head mm-hmm. from Rogue just because I'm thinking of Dead Guy Ale. But this is a very subtle drink. Well, what's interesting about this is is uh, just the mouthfeel of this is a lot thinner than what you'd expect in a stout. The flavor profile is there. It's, it's it not tastes lacking. like chocolate, yeah. Yeah, it's not lacking in in the flavor profile, so it's interesting because it feels like a lighter drink. I'm getting um, more chocolate almost on the finish than, than right. on the drink itself. But there's also a hoppy snap kind of bitterness to mm-hmm. the finish, that, that like like that bitter chocolate shaving you talked about, that uh-huh. leaves that kind of bittersweetness. Not really that sweet, but bittersweetness. But in kind such of a pleasant way, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So. What's the, will you check uh, the bottle for the ABV on this? I'm not sure. It doesn't feel like it's very high. But I could certainly be wrong. Five percent, five point eight percent. My old eyes. That's not a lot for it's not that uh, big, no. a porter. Yeah, I don't even or think it's a, a beer. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, for a stout, and I don't think I don't even really consider a beer to be that big when it comes to ABV until you mm-hmm. hit seven percent. Really, six percent's right. getting bigger. But you know. what you're saying is this is nice and all, but you wouldn't have brought it. The ABV's too low. <laughs> Am I right? <laughs> it's actually it's just fine. I like it. It's it's drinkable. This will not go to waste today. No, it, it definitely will not. And that that sort of uh, lingering finish of the uh, sort of baking chocolate, for lack of a better way yeah. to describe it, man, that's good. It is good. That's it's just good. very and, flavorful. And I would highly recommend anyone that thinks this sounds delicious mm-hmm. should try the Rogue Mocha Porter. Oh yes, and holy cow, that one is outstanding. Well, too. again, we've we've yeah. had nothing but good beers from this company. Rogue, they they have not uh, led us astray uh, just yet. All right, coming up on the next segment, no label, too. no Sorry. label from K- Katy, Texas, right up the road from where mm-hmm. we are, uh, has a um, 
a thing they do called off-label, where they release these sort of specialty beers right. from time to time. Their latest off-label is the Nightmare on First Street Imperial Pumpkin Ale. And we have that coming up in the next segment. Plus, um, what to do if the cork falls in your whiskey. All coming up. This I need to know. Smoking and toasting. Craft beer, hand-rolled cigars, and fine premium spirits. In the immortal words of... Welcome back, my good friends. This is Smoking and Toasting. It's the program that's all about craft beer, fine spirits, and hand-rolled cigars. We are brought to you by B&B Butchers and Restaurant, which, by the way, I'm, I'm getting really hungry. we got to plan another B&B trip because not only is the food, you know, the steaks, the seafood and all that so good, and the bar is amazing, but... Bacon. Bacon. I, I'm craving that bacon right now. <laughs> that bacon's insidious. Just like, once you, you have it, yeah, like yeah. you, you, you got to have it again. Have I know. It, yes. It's at 1814 Washington Ave in Houston, opening soon in Fort Worth, Texas, and the shops at Clear Fork. Uh, coming up in this segment, what to do if the cork falls in your whiskey. But first, let's, uh, let's talk about uh, No Label, the independent brewery in Katy, Texas, and their off-label specialty beers. Uh, first of all, no label, and we have not talked about them, I think, a lot on the show, but they make some damn fine beer. I'm they a do. particular fan of their Pale Horse, which is a yep. pale ale that they that's, that's make, a very which good is one. absolutely delicious. And I think they make a brown ale that I'm a fan of, too. They uh, make uh, the, the, don't they have the Black Widow? As well, which I is a wit beer, right. but a yep. dark wit beer. Which and they is have, really it, I believe, their brown is the uh, the Ridgeback. Right, the Ridgeback yeah. is the is that brown or, or is amber? that a red? That's, that a... that's the red ale. Yeah, see, I'm, there's I'm also my beers confused. Um, there's also well, they they make a bunch of good ones, but there's do, also yeah. um, do they do the. Uh, uh, no, not as Buffalo Bayou. Well, else. these guys do some really interesting specialty beers from time to time. And this one, Halloween, as we do the show, Halloween was just a couple of days ago. So I don't feel like it's too late to do Nightmare on First Street, which, by the way, the reason that is the title of the beer is because the brewery is on First Street in Katy. So that's where the First Street comes from. It's Nightmare on First Street. This is their Imperial Pumpkin Ale. I've had pumpkin ales, Ian, but I don't know that I've ever had an Imperial. Now look at pumpkin this ale. one, though, compared to even that uh, Rogue. Look how Woo! thick this one is. The, the, take your first whiff of that, The viscosity too. of this uh-huh. is... This is a much thicker liquid. Take your first uh, whiff of that, and that you'll is get, pumpkin and spice. Yes, it is. It's it's a strong aroma. It is not in a bad way, but it is definitely not a lighter beer. You can tell. This mm. is the spicier side of pumpkin. They actually went, which I actually like, by the way. Yeah, um, they actually went more to the pumpkin spice than the pumpkin itself. I will say which this, is, which makes it really interesting. This makes me immediately think of fall. Yes. Like this this flavor, you know? This has a huge mouthfeel to it. This is almost like gravy. Look at this. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in a good way, of course. Yes. Like, <laughs> I think gravy would be a good title for a beer. <laughs> gravy. <laughs> gravy, Imperial IPA. <laughs> right. um, no, this is, uh, I got to say, I'm finding this really good. I like it. I, I wasn't sure what I would think of this. Because pumpkin ale... You know, it's kind of like the everybody's you know knocking on pumpkin spice everything mm-hmm. you know, and that being the most overdone, you know, flavor preparation style of uh, of this time of the year. And I get it, but this is still a really fine beer. It leaves a tanginess like in mm-hmm. the aftertaste that's really fun too. 
Help me with the ABV on this one. Oh, I, I think I'll it's more so than the. Uh, I think it's a higher ABV than the chocolate stout. Doesn't say. Mm. They're trying mm. to hide it from us. Mm-hmm. Probably not. I'll look it well, up. Later. It's it's actually quite good. Uh, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm going to say I'm a fan. I agree. It's a very interesting. Like out of all the pumpkin beers, we did our pumpkin beer. Uh, thing last year where we had a mm-hmm. bunch of them. Mm-hmm. Some of them were good, some of them not so much. Yes. This one would have been a nice one to have on there uh, just because it's the spice profile on this is you way can, big. You can tell that it's a beer, but the flavors that you get mostly are the pumpkin and spice flavors, not so much a beer flavor. Like I'm not pulling a, a hoppy or a, uh, a malty flavor out of this necessarily. Would you agree with that? Right. It's not real malty at all. Yeah. Um, the hops give it that twanginess on the end. That's that bittering hops on the end. But it it doesn't come across as a hoppy beer either. Right. It's it definitely has a uh, it definitely has a vibe all its own. That's really fascinating. All right. In what to do if the cork falls in your whiskey. And some of this is taken from uh, people who've had experience with this. You know, I'm I'm more likely to break a cork in a bottle of wine, by the way, than I am in a bottle right. of whiskey, because sometimes you get into there with the corkscrew and it just doesn't doesn't work out, and now you've got half a half a cork stuck in your wine bottle, um, and you're trying to get it out, and of course it's a it's an experiment, uh, but it can happen with whiskey too, and breaking a cork into your wine relative relatively familiar, but like quick pause, yes. Nine point two percent. Wow, that's more than I would have guessed. Yeah, that you're talking about on the off label. On the off label, nine point two. Yeah, and, and uh, it doesn't imperial. taste like that at all. Hmm. Like it doesn't taste Mm-mm. like a nine point something. Anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. Wow. Please, please carry well, on. Well, uh, like all beverage professionals and functioning alcoholics, we've uh, explored the the causes and and best practice solutions for what to do when the wine uh, cork breaks off into your wine. But what if you pull? off the cap of a beloved whiskey only to find yourself with a handful of wood or plastic topper and the cork remains firmly wedged in the neck of the bottle. Um, If you, like us, adore brown spirits and find that your dexterity decreases with consumption, this could be a very real problem. So That that doesn't happen when I'm playing darts. No, of course not. Uh, When a cork separates from the cap and is still stuck in the mouth of the bottle, Carefully use a corkscrew yep. to remove the cork, just Have like a that. bottle of wine. This is the advice of Doug Cragle, uh, Bullet's North American Whiskey Director, or North American Whiskey Educator, actually. He says if the cork falls into the bottle, or if you accidentally push it in while attempting to you know, get the corkscrew uh, in place, he says take another, and this is, this is the advice I really needed, because I would have known to try mm-hmm. a corkscrew. But this is what he says to do. Take another empty bottle or jug. And with a sieve, pour the liquid into the empty vessel. Um, this is what uh, Mahesh Patel, the Universal Whiskey Experience founder, uh, suggests. Craig will also suggest a mesh strainer or a cheesecloth. Yeah. Uh, he says, then you simply clean your original container, remove all the traces of the cork, and pour the liquid back pour into back the in. original bottle. Hopefully the whiskey was worthy of being stored in your home bar decanter, he says, and hopefully you kept the stopper. But alternatively, they suggest you could use another cork from, say, a wine bottle uh, to close the bottle of whiskey now that your cork is is missing. If you go to any brewery supply or wine supply, you can mm-hmm. just buy the corks, too. Can you really? Uh-huh. I didn't I didn't realize that. So you can go in and, and just you can buy, buy wine corks. You can buy the little cork toppers that come on your whiskey bottles. They're... Uh, 
the tops of those bottles are pretty close to universal. Because mm-hmm. I actually, at one point in time, picked up a couple extra cork tops for bottles that the cork broke or something like that. Now, I'll tell you what I use a lot, and I'm not sure exactly what they're called, but I got some that have some really cool Day of the Dead heads on top of them. Right, right. And then they've got these little, uh, it's got a little rubber uh, yeah. thing and then a little piece that goes down into the bottle. And I use this, like, when I open a bottle of uh, champagne like or wine. sparkling wine. Right, right. Oh, gotcha. And I haven't drunk the whole thing. You use it for, like, a white wine mm-hmm. or, or something else, too. I'll stop it with that, put it back in the refrigerator, and then when I go back, say, with sparkling wine, when I go back to open that bottle up again and pour more, whether it's, you know, 20 minutes later or several hours, later when you pull the top off you can feel it go you know like there's a, a release yeah, of, the, of yeah. the gases so you know it's keeping the gases in there to keep the wine sparkling now obviously it won't work if you're going to leave it for a day or more right but well, if you leave that you've for got several oxygen hours, contamination right. at yes, that point anyway exactly you mentioned but, like if if uh if uh if you're trying like if you have the wine and the, it breaks off or whatever the um the other thing that I've found with a wine bottle is uh, you're going to have to empty the bottle, but if you don't have a corkscrew, mm-hmm. just take a pen or something and shove that cork right down inside. Just go ahead and drop it into the wine? Drop it right and inside. And then do your you replacement, your wine. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Usually you don't get to the point where you put it back into the wine bottle. Right. Because you drink it. Because you drink it. Yeah, that's right. Well, <laughs> and if you've got a really nice decanter of some sort, that'll work. But of course, for spirits now, you may be less likely to be polishing that bottle off yes. that evening. Yes. So, yeah, with a bottle of wine, it it, it can be uh, a little bit easier. <laughs> but um, so, but I hadn't I hadn't really thought about that, and I haven't had the problem of the. I've certainly had it with wine, but I've not had the problem with the cork falling into. Uh, a bottle of whiskey. I've had a few whiskey bottles that, that that's happened. Uh, at one point in time, I remember pulling the top on my whiskey bottle and it just crumbled. Well, and it, even when I yeah. tried to get it out, mm-hmm. like the whole cork just crumbled enough. So, did you do that? Did you pour easy. it off uh, through a strainer and then pour it back in? How did I you- did. I actually poured it through. Uh, since I do guitar work, I have these little paint strainers. Yeah. <laughs> so I so that worked, huh? Yeah, it worked just fine. <laughs> well, I have a really nice strainer that I use for uh, juicing lemons. Oh yeah. So it's it's like the it's like one of those big. You know, metal strainers, but it's mm-hmm. the size of a, a, you know, glass top, basically. Right, right. And uh, so that would be a good thing to pour through. Um, but yeah, that's that's really, really the big thing. It's like as long as you can keep get the particles of cork out of the yeah. whiskey, so that they're not contaminating the whiskey, uh, then you can pour it back and do whatever you want to do. Uh, where do you stand on, like? The glass decanter, like you see it a lot in like soap operas and stuff, where they, uh, uh, where they stop by someone's home and have a drink, and they go and they, you know, pop the top on the decanter and pour the whiskey or whatever. I actually have out a of couple decanter. decanters. Do you? Do you? I, they're pretty. Do I, you like that for storing uh, for storing brown spirits, though? I think if you're going to drink it on a regular basis, otherwise you want to seal it pretty well because all the decanters I've seen don't seal real well. Right. They usually have like a nice little glass top or something like that, but they're not like. I always thought they were more decorative than, than right. useful. Right. And, and really. it is a pretty way to do it if you have a nice little set and everything like that. Mm-hmm. Well, um, my biggest problem is uh, when you have quite a few whiskeys, sometimes you'll forget what's in the decanter. <laughs> yes. If you don't label what it. What did I pour in here? Did I pour the Boone's Farm in here? So or maybe- is this the. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Maybe you put a little label on the bottom or something with a piece of tape. Well, this is uh, this has certainly been a fun show. Thank you, uh, Ian, for uh, uh, your knowledge and wisdom on all of this all of this stuff. And we've certainly enjoyed the beers. We are uh, back next week uh, with another episode of the show. Maybe actually, if we don't come back next week, 
Don't panic. It just means we took the week off and we'll be back uh, the following week. I don't know. I don't know what the plan is for next week. So, uh, but, but we're not going anywhere. We're going to be here and we're going to be in Las Vegas coming up in a couple of weeks. We'll Two do weeks. multiple shows from Las Vegas for the Big Smoke, and we're very excited about that. I'm Word is, excited. what are you talking about? Rocky and Nish Patel will be on the show, so we're very excited. <laughs> oh, about I'm, that. yeah, I'm pretty excited. Yeah, about so that. it's going to be pretty awesome. Well, it's been a great week. Thank you guys so much for listening to and enjoying the show. Uh, we did run out of time for sampling the Mumford & Sons IPA. We'll have to try that next time. But uh, uh, until we meet again, my friends, have a wonderful week. Congratulations, Astros, and uh, cheers. Cheers. Cheers.